the Lord wanted me to share a couple things with you guys. Uh, things that you already know. But, you know, since we're not that smart or we forget, God likes to drill it over and over, right? How many times have we read this Bible? Over and over, right? And does God speak to you all differently all the time? Sometimes, right? His word is new every day, right? So the first topic we're going to talk about is forgiveness. And then we're going to talk about unforgiveness. And so forgiveness, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you know how much you've been forgiven, right? You know you've been forgiven. And so, and if you've been walking with the Lord and you're in this flesh like me, you, you've had some experience or will have with unforgiveness. You've had issues with that, if, if we're being honest, right? Because we're in this flesh and people hurt us and everybody here has gone through something like that. And if you haven't, you probably will soon, you know? Uh, usually I'm confronted with things after I teach something. Uh, the Lord allows me to be confronted with what I taught, so I know what's going to happen to me. I'll be confronted with a situation where I have to forgive somebody, but we're called to forgive, right? So anyway, yeah, we're going to go through a lot of, a lot of verses, so um, we'll see if we can cover it all. So this thing of forgiveness. Forgiveness, uh, I looked up with with the psychologists, the, the, the general definition by psychologists is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. So then it's kind of close to what the Bible teaches about forgiveness. You know, uh, forgiveness in the Bible is, is, is a little bit deeper. It's a dismissal. It's a pardon. It's like it never happened before, you know? It's like you're accused, and you go before a judge, and then your, your charges are dismissed. You've been pardoned. So if, if some of you have been before a judge, and that has happened to you, you know how that feels, right? It's like you didn't commit the crime. You know you did, but you've been pardoned. This happens a lot when you go to traffic school. The, the, the referee or the judge will say, uh, the people that... If you don't see the officer that gave you the ticket, you line it, you get on this side, and I'm going to dismiss your case. So, like you never did it. That's kind of the closest thing to forgiveness that we receive from God. Though the enemy will bring guilt on your life, or even you will put guilt on yourself, sometimes we don't even forgive ourselves, right? And so the Bible says that if your heart condemns you, that God is greater than that. Right? So don't let the enemy lie to you about your forgiveness. You've been forgiven. So I wanted to cover uh, some verses as to how we're forgiven. I know you guys all know, but I, it's good to go have a little review, right? So why do you need to be forgiven? Why do you need to be forgiven? I met a guy on the street when we were witnessing the other day. The guy was about 60 years old. I started sharing the gospel with him. And then he said, no, wait, wait. I don't want to hear that. Because I've never sinned ever in my life. So we know that's not true, but that's what this man believed. That's the lie that he'd been told, that he'd been telling himself. So the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it, all of us have sinned. We all know that. Now, some of us, we didn't sin as bad as others, but we know that one sin, right? One sin will separate you from God. 
And so Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Something that we all know, you know, but we should be reminded of God's word. The psalmist wrote in Psalm, Psalm 14, he said, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside, for they have all turned together have become corrupt there is none who does good no not one so the so god went on a mission before the foundations of the world god went on a mission to save the world it was always in god's plan to save the entire world because he knew that man would fall see there's nothing that god doesn't know so he he they the plan was that he would send his begotten son but in the old testament you know, it's all the Old Testament is about Jesus Christ, but you have to kind of dig through it. So I like the story about Abraham. When Abraham was told by God to go up to the mountain and to the mount and sacrifice his son Isaac, and knowing that Isaac was the son of the promise, we know that this is where Abraham's faith was tested, and he took the boy up to the mountain, took the everything he needed. But I like what it says in Genesis twenty-two. It says, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And in verse 8, it says, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Before they went up, he told the men who were with him, he said, we'll be back. You see, that's speaking in faith. But what I like here in verse 8 is that he says that God will provide for himself. And it, it's a little bit of a play in words, but later on, God would send himself. He would himself be the sacrifice. You see, and in the story, a ram is found in the thicket and they sacrifice the ram. And I thought about that. I said, well, why wasn't it a lamb? Because the lamb of God had not come yet, you see. It was just a picture of God. Uh, providing a way out for us to to be delivered from our sin because we, whether you knew it or not, when you were in sin, when you were living in sin, you were enslaved to it. And God has come to set you free. And that's the, the amazing grace that that song talks about, that amazing grace. And so then the Lamb of God would come. Matthew one twenty one says, and she will bring forth a son, and she will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Already, now it becomes a little bit more clear. Even though, who can think, who would think that you can be saved by a, a child, an infant, that can't even do anything for himself, right? But it was, God was going through, through the prophetic word of God, a would be born through a virgin, and then this is the little boy called Jesus that would save his people. In John one twenty nine, it says, the next, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who take away the sins, the sin of the world. And in, in that same chapter, verse 36, and looking at Jesus, he walked and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Since the beginning, God showed the picture of the plan to save the people from their sins. But even with all of that, the most religious people, couldn't see it. Isn't that interesting? That the people who knew the word the best 
They couldn't understand. They couldn't see it. But there was a man who came up close. His name was Nicodemus. He came to see, get a close look. And we know that, that Jesus told him that a man must be born again, that he received Jesus Christ, right? So in John 3.16, you guys are all familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But even with all that explanation, Nicodemus didn't understand. He said, you're a teacher of the law, and you don't understand? You see, the Bible says that the natural man cannot understand the things of God. They are discerned spiritually. So once our eyes were opened, the veil was lifted, we start seeing things better, right? And so this forgiveness is what God had brought forth for the whole world. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, an impossible thing that God would do this for us. You think about yourself. You think about yourself and only you know who you really are. And that God loves you no matter what. The vehicle that God would use would be love to save the world. It's not the vehicle that the world uses. They usually, usually it's violence to save someone, right? But God would send his only son to die to, to die for us. Imagine, die, Jesus came personally to die for you. That is an amazing, un, I can't even phantom it in my mind that God would do that, that he would come to me and I know who I am and save me. It's an amazing thing. So the redemption. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 1, Chapter 1, verse uh, 3. <clears throat> so this is, explains a little bit of, of what we're talking about. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, was, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the, to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted to the, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through the bl blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So there it is. By the blood of Jesus Christ we are forgiven of our sins. So we could ask ourselves, why, you know, does God's grace run out? Because I know I sin all the time, right? And, you know, before we even get out of here, we'll probably sin by the time we get home. If not, maybe when you get home. I used to, I live real close. And I used to say, what's waiting for me at home, you know? Because some, something would provoke me to get out of line with God, right? But God already covered that. So that, we're grateful for that, right? So, so the law was like a temporary covering in the Old Testament. It was just like a, a covering that, that kind of covered their sins, kind of like when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. You know, they put on fig leaves, and God said no. He slew an animal, and, let, and he put on the, the skins of the animal as a temporary covering. So, but now in the New Testament, it's not temporary anymore. It's full. It's, we're covered all the time, guys. But we don't take advantage 
of the grace of God by continuing to sin, right? We, we all know that. Uh, if you turn to Colossians chapter 1, talks about reconciling the whole world. Chapter 1, verses 19. <clears throat> it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. So there's, there's, there's a requirement, not, kind of not a, not a requirement for salvation, but there's an expectation that God has for us once we've been saved is to walk according to, to what God calls us to walk in, you know, and, and to try to be blameless, not perfect, Nobody's perfect, but we make that good effort, right? Every day, you should not be the man you were yesterday. You should be uh, progressing into the likeness of God, into the image of God, right? And how are you going to do that? Through the Spirit of the Lord, right? So I just wanted to, to, to cover that to, to, so we all understand what God did for us, what Jesus Christ did for us, that He suffered and died, and it was all out of love so that we could be saved. Of course, it's a, it's a choice, you know, like this man who told me he doesn't sin. It's a choice. He made a decision in himself. We pray that people would come to Christ. Uh, I do a lot of, uh, you know, that ministry in the street ministry. And I could tell you that as we've been getting closer, you know, to what we expect the Lord's return, that the ground is getting harder, getting harder and harder, which is a sign to me that the Lord is getting closer to his return. But it doesn't dissuade me from continuing to speak to people, right? To walk the walk, right? So in, in the same encouragement to you guys. So I want to just uh, talk a little bit about David, King David, when he was being pursued all them years. You know, you would think that the, the Saul, King Saul was after him to kill him, right? You think he would become bitter and angry towards him, hateful, right? That's what unforgiveness does. It causes you to become bitter, hateful towards people. And so the example that David gives us in First Samuel 24, 6, it says, And he said to, to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. And then and further down in verse 10, it says, Look, this day your eyes have seen the Lord delivered you today into the hand, of the hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So, you know, you think about yourself. Somebody was pursuing you for years trying to kill you. And how, what would your attitude be? What would you think? I mean, somebody says something that we're not even sure about. If it was meant as something bad and we're ready to, to do something, right? We're ready to re return some word that's bad or whatever in our minds. Maybe we even have committed murder in our hearts towards people. 
And so that's vengeance, right? It's not forgiveness. So that example with David is, you know, that's that's pretty pretty a strong uh, conviction in his heart that the man who's trying to kill him he wouldn't touch, and he had an opportunity to touch. When he were in, when Saul went into the cave, he cut off his robe to show him that he got close enough to could he could have done it, could have done anything. But you see, he had forgiveness in his heart, and forgiveness in your heart is what you need to have what all of us need to have because we've been forgiven by God, right? And so this thing, you know, uh, it, it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. Everybody in here, I'm sure, has gone through something, has been offended, has been hurt, and probably by somebody real close to you, somebody who's supposed to love you. And some people, I've talked to them, and they'll carry this, they're old men, still holding on to what happened to me when I was this and when I was that. And I share with them about forgiveness, and I share with them that the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old man has died. See, So we struggle with these things, but God doesn't want us to, to have those things, those burdens. He wants us to forgive like we've been forgiven, right? So... The other man in the Old Testament, another example, is Joseph. And so if you, if you want to turn there, I'm going to turn to Genesis chapter 50. I'm sure you know the story, but I'm going to read it. <clears throat> so you know the story about Joseph that his brothers uh, took a disliking to him, and uh, they were going to kill him. And then one of them argued and said, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him instead. And when they sold him to the Ishmaelites, they probably thought I'm never going to see them again. I wondered. It makes me wonder all them years where they thinking, what happened? Are we going to, is God going to get us for this? You know? So in, in chapter 50, verse 15, just a little bit of what, of what Joseph. So when, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, and they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us with all, for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers in their sin, for they did, e they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am, I am in, the place, in, the pla in the place of God. For, but, but as far as you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save my people, to save many people alive. So basically what Joseph's saying is, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgave you already, you see. I had already forgiven you. That vengeance was not in his heart. That he wasn't going to do anything, you know. And, and so I don't know if you've ever been in a position like that where somebody tried to kill you, sold you off, despised you, hated you. The flesh, the natural response of the flesh is to get even we say that they want to get even, but really 
we want to go further than even, right? In our flesh. But in the Spirit of God, God wants us to forgive, right? So unforgiveness. So I'm sure, not knowing anybody's business here, I'm sure that you've gone through it, are going to go through it, and, and, and God wants to show you how to go through it. He wants you to rely on Him, on His Spirit, to show you that we're, there is a, a way, you know, to forgive. It, it's a spiritual way. You have to release it to God, you know. You know that, that having that hardened heart and that hatred in your heart towards someone, you know that it could get you physically sick. It can get you sick. You know, there was a, there was a lady, I, I, I uh, heard a story about a lady who was really hurt, deeply hurt by her son-in-law. He had abandoned uh, the the daughter and the two little boys. And so her whole life uh, after that, like 15, 10 to 15 years, she was in this hatred. She hated this man. And she ended up getting cancer, you know. And I, it makes me wonder, you know, did, did her condition of hating and bitterness, having that bitterness in her heart, did it contribute? Only God knows. But she was dying, you know. She was going to die. She was in hospice. And I used to work with the gentleman that that she hated. And uh, on this certain day, he came in and he told me, hey, I, I got something to tell you. He said, I, I, I got uh, called to see somebody. So this lady was dying, and she called to see this man. And she called him and said to him, I want to forgive you because I don't want to die like this. I don't want to be bitter like this, you see? So it is no good to harbor all that kind of suffering in your heart. We do it to ourselves, and God doesn't want us to do that, you know? And and when you release all of that, it's like getting 100 pounds off of you. Imagine you're walking around with a heavy burden, and God wants to take it from you, and all you have to do is let it go. All you have to do is give it to him. Give it to him, and he will take it and carry it. So I want to turn to Matthew 18, just to talk a little bit more about this. So Matthew 18, verse 21. I'm going to read through it, 21 to 35. So then, well, we'll, we'll stop it uh, along the way. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? So, so right there in verse 22, it says, And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So, you know, Peter, he wanted to be at the front of the class all the time. He's, he's kind of boasting that he's going to forgive someone seven times. In those days, from what I read, it was expected you forgive three times, you know. So he was going to say seven times because he was a lot better than the rest of the guys. But we remember that Peter took out his sword right away. Remember right away, he forgot about the seven times. Took out his sword right away and cut the servant's ear off, right? So when in the, in the heat of the moment, we forget what we're supposed to do, right? So seven Time, Jesus tells them seven 
times 70, 490 times. So does that mean on the 491st time you don't have to forgive? No, it just Jesus is using that a large number to say an infinite number, right? So, and so then, uh, you know, Peter was boasting, but God challenges him and us because we can say, "I'm not going to forgive you anymore." How many times have you done that to me? And God's saying an infinite amount of times. And then I say to us, "How many times has God forgiven you and me?" Knowing we we're we're the we're the children of God, right? We read the scriptures, we read the Bible, but every day we fall short, and God doesn't have to go think about it. He forgives us automatically, right? So that's the heart that God wants us to have. So, you know, seventy times seven is is a a number that. I, if if God was going to pardon me that many times, I think I would have used them up probably about five years old, six years old, right? And, and and run out of pardons, right? But thank God that we get pardoned all the time, right? Every day. So in verse uh, 23 and 24, therefore the kingdom of heaven, so Jesus is going to give an explanation, is like a certain king who wants wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So 10,000 talents, you, do you wonder why that number's in there? So I had to find out, well, how much is that? Is that like $10 or what? Well, according to the commentators that I checked, it was between $12 million to a $1 billion. Okay, so the point is that it's unpayable. The debt is unpayable. So just it's just like our debt that we owed Christ for dying on on the cross for us. Could you pay it? No. So that's that's the idea that this guy could not pay it back. It was impossible to pay back. So he owed an impossible thing. So in verse twenty four. I'm sorry, yeah, 24, it says, And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all he had, and that he had pay, that payment be made. So they commanded to be sold, the master commanded it, but it wasn't going to pay the debt, right? So then in verse 26 and 27, it says, I'm sorry, yeah, 26, 27. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. So that's, that's what happened to us. God was moved with compassion to pay our debt, right? So it takes compassion over the person who has wronged you to forgive. Jesus said on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? So some people know and some don't, but the same, the same, it's the same for us. We're called to forgive, right? Move your, your, your God will move you with compassion to love the person. You ever, you ever been wronged by somebody really de- deeply wronged? 
and, and you pray and, and God will tell you what to do and he'll tell you, I want you to forgive them and I want you to pray for them every day. And so then when somebody wrongs you, you know, we, there's that wall of separation between us, right? And so when we wrong God, when we transgress against God, there is no wall of separation. There's no weird feeling between us and God. So why is it with people? Because in our flesh, we still haven't really released it. We really haven't confessed it before God and let it go. We still look at the person, they may not know it, with some offense. So we have to do it in love. It has to be, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. But we have to allow God to to work in us. We have to allow God to move in your life. And so you could say, well, you know, maybe that, you know, you haven't been through a lot of stuff like that. No, that's why the Lord brought this, this up, you know, because he'd been working on me in this, in this area. And, and, and so to, to see the person the way Jesus sees them, to see the person, you know, the way God looks at you, you know, God loves them and, and God wants you to love him. If God gave us all the time and all the money, would it be enough to buy our debt? It wouldn't be, right? So we need to forgive like God has forgiven us, right? And so in verse 28 and 30 to 30, it says, But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he had laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him and saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he should not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. This is the, 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 what can happen to us. You know, This is what can happen to us. When somebody wrongs me, I want God to get them, right? Where I should want God to save them. I should want God to to save him, you know, to be kind to him, like the kindness that God has shown me. You know how far God's forgiveness, when you forgive somebody, can go? You have no idea. You have no idea. We have no idea what could happen, what could happen to somebody. But here we see the opposite. This is an example of how we should not behave, right? Our response should be like Christ should be like God has treated us, right? So I'm going to read 31 to 34. So when his fellow servants saw that he had done what he had done, they were very grieved and they came and and told the, their master all that they had that had been done. And his master after he had called him and said to him, "You wicked servant, I for, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow Servant, just as I had pity on you, and his servant was angry. I'm sorry, and the master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. Not, not a good picture, right? Not a good picture. I, I, I think that that you know when we show Christ, it's easy to show Christ. We could say right here, all of us, yeah, I, I could forgive anybody until something happens. You know, and so when something happens, then the challenge comes to be to be like Christ, right? But I I think that we don't really know 
we should go there to that forgiving place, forgiving people, especially people who really deeply done wrong to you, and you don't know what God will do with that, you know. So, so I have a, I had a friend, you know, he 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 died. He went home to be with the Lord. He was 80, 80 plus years old. But I met him. He was already like late seventies. This guy been in and out of prison since he was ten years old. He reformed school and. Oh, in and out of prison his whole life, just doing evil, you know, doing evil things. He would come out. He would. He knew he's going to get arrested eventually. So he tells me the story. You know, he says one of these times when I got out, and so I had done some time for manslaughter. He had killed somebody, and he got out. and And when he got out, this lady and and her and the daughter invited him to dinner. And so he had accepted the invitation, and he went. And then. Uh, as he's there, he's trying to figure out who these people are. He can't. He can't remember. Can't put this woman and her daughter. You know where? Where are these people from? Where do I know them from? And it dawned on him in the middle of their dinner that this was the the wife of the man he had killed, and the daughter, and they had invited him to forgive him. They invited him. They were Christians. They had invited him to forgive him. And some years later, not too long after that, this man came to Christ on one of his last arrests when he went to prison. And I was wondering if that had an impact, you know. I believe that once they forgave him, he couldn't sleep anymore. He he was being pursued by God by that forgiveness. So God could do anything with something like that. He could change hearts. Imagine, because you're expected to hate somebody. You're expected to hate people. The world expects you to respond that way, to get vengeance, right? But God says, I want you to be compassionate. I want you to love people, especially those who have wronged you, right? Not easy, right? So how did this woman do that? How could she do that? Well, obviously she was in prayer and and that she asked from the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. In your own flesh, you can't do it. But with God, all things are possible, right? And so then, why is it that we don't forgive? Because it's our pride. It's our feelings have been hurt, right? I could tell you people who, who call me and they haven't been here in years. Well, that's why I don't go to that church. Because somebody did this. But I already forgave them. I said, well, then stop talking about it. Because, you know, God doesn't bring it up. He never brings it up. Has he brought up your sins? You see, that, that's the, the heart that God wants us to have. The heart that he has. So we, we pray that God would give us his heart, give us his eyes, so we could see people that, the way he sees them, right? With the eyes of compassion. So this servant, you know, he, he didn't do well once it happened to him. He forgot how God had forgiven him. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget how much God has forgiven us, right? And so to forgive somebody is to show mercy. And the reason that we want to hold things over people is because we want to be over them. But when you show mercy, you get down and you lower yourself. You lower yourself, you humble yourself, and you let them be over you. You know, the Bible says to esteem others higher than yourself. 
That's everybody. That's everybody. They wronged you or didn't wrong you. So the Bible says in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You want to have mercy? I, I've received more mercy than I deserve. Way more than I deserve. So I should be merciful. In James 2.13, it says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah, they might deserve whatever they deserve, but mercy is what God wants you to have. So lastly, guys, I want to just go to Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, verses 41 to 47. This is a story where Jesus uh, goes to a place. So 41 says, And there was a certain creditor who had two debtors who owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing, when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love you, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who, whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and gave me and she and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet and with her tears wiped them and with her hair, with, with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased kissing my feet since I since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. And therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loves much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So I, so I ask you, have you been forgiven much? So I know I have. So I should love much, right? I should be like this woman, love much. And even the one who says he's been forgiven little doesn't know he's been forgiven much. You see, because one sin, we started with one sin, right? One sin separates you from God. So the, the, the problem is that sometimes we could be like that Pharisee who went up to the temple to pray and he prays that he's not like other men. And and so like the the guy who came out forgiven and he and he beat up tried to get the other servant, threw him in jail, he wasn't able to see himself. Everybody else saw his behavior was wrong. So sometimes we can't see ourselves right. We need to, to have the light of the Spirit of God light us up and show us. Show us that God would examine our heart. And if there's any wickedness, if there's any Thing that I have towards somebody that I would get that right because God wants you to get it right he doesn't want us to continue you know with that same old thing you know uh, in that same circle what somebody did to me well what did I do to Christ right what did I do to Christ we all had a part in in the in the sins right but God didn't think twice, you know, about sending his son. They didn't have to think about it. It was already written down 
that, that God would send his son to forgive us, to die for us. This is a, a, a covenant of blood that God made. You know, and so the Bible says that it's, it's scarce when a man would die for a good man. Would you die for somebody? And it wouldn't cover anybody's blood. You know, if Isaac would have been sacrificed, it, um, it wouldn't have covered anyone's sins. It had to be uh, the God-man to do it. So, so I wanted to read Isaiah 61, verse 3. It says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So when you forgive, when you do the things that are correct, you're glorifying God. But I wanted to focus in on to give them beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes is, ashes is, represents death, and beauty represents life. And we had ashes, and God took those ashes and gave us beauty. He gave us life, you see. So since God gave us beauty for ashes, won't you give somebody else beauty for their ashes? Even if those ashes have been against you? We're, we're, we should have that heart to do that. We should have the heart. So we have to be like Christ. So it, being like Christ is forgiveness. The attribute of Christ, the character of Christ, is to forgive. So really, when we get down to it, it shouldn't even be a thought. Well, let me think about it. No, it should be automatic. And it should be no nothing in between after we do it. Because we could say we do it, and then we still harbor those, those things, those feelings that keep us separated. And when we're separated, we have a separation from the Lord as well. 